So uh, I have been gone for a couple weeks. How did you guys like Jay? I was pretty excited Jay was here for a couple weeks. You guys get to hear Jay? Some he- Wait, there was a whistle. Was that in the balcony? The balcony whistled. So Jay is uh, and has become a good friend of mine, and I'm so thankful and glad that he was able to make it last week um, and the week before uh, to preach to us. This week, we're going back into our Joshua series. So let me pray as I get started into the sermon. I'm excited about today, but I will warn you, today will make you feel uncomfortable. Doesn't everyone love that at the beginning of the sermon when the pastor says that? But today is going to be a little bit uncomfortable. We're going to actually be talking about Jericho, so I'm, I'm excited about that. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we just come before you. We ask, God, that you would open our hearts and our minds, convict us and transform us this morning. Whether we're watching online, we're here in person, God, help us to be someone, someones that embody what it means to live as the fruit of the Spirit. And so, Lord, as we look at this passage, God, when you ask something, it's because you want what's best for us. So as you ask for the three things that we're going to talk about today, open our hearts and our minds to say yes, to say yes to you, to say yes in our everyday walk, in everyday walk, in everything that we do. Lord, we just thank you for the opportunity to get into your word this morning. We say all this in Jesus' name. Amen. So I'd like to welcome you here. What is a little interesting is it seems like we're starting to fill up more because all of a sudden you get turned away, right? At the, the, everyone's like now trying to get to church early when it was the opposite just before COVID. It's like, can we show up 15 minutes late? And now it's like, we got to show up early because we might get kicked up to the balcony. You know, it's just really funny this morning. I was noticing like, oh no, we're at balcony time. I really, really uh, am excited to be back in Joshua today because I get to preach about the one passage that we hear as kids. If we grew up in the church, Joshua chapter 6, Jericho is something we're told. And if we're old enough, we had the flannel graph. I had that as a kid. So, you know, the flannel graph, you had the thing and then they stuck the little Velcro things on and then you had Jericho and then it falls down. And, you know, the story there is so rich with so many different things that we can notice this morning. So we're going to... continue this series called Courage Over Fear. It seems like right now there's a fear response to everything. There's a fear response to everything around us, and it kind of isolates us and and disunifies us and separates us. So if you have our app, you can follow along on our app. It's our digital bulletin. If you walked in and you expected to be handed a piece of paper, we actually have it on our our Sunlight app, and when you click on the top of the feed there, it goes directly to version. So you have all our announcements in there. So today we're going to talk about simple obedience. But is obedience ever really simple? (laughs) Is it really simple? No, it's not. It's something that we think is simple, but it's not as simple as it seems. Obedience is a word that has been commonly used to almost being a provocative word that people only use as like, in, in that rare case, like, you need to be obedient. You know, when you hear parents say that, or... Or maybe it's uh, with government or some other way. But I have a rebellious streak in me. If you guys hadn't noticed from some of my examples that I've used when I've been preaching. So I have a rebellious streak in me. So if someone tells me to do something, I want to do the exact opposite. Anyone like that? Come on, let's, let's raise some hands. You guys, I'm not alone in this. Okay. So you want to do the exact opposite. You're like, 
Forget about you. I'm going to go do the exact opposite. And if someone tells you that you can't do something, what do you want to do? You want to go do it, right? You want to go do it. So you don't really want to be obedient, even if it's an authority figure. You want to do the opposite. For example, when my wife tells me, there's no way you can get that done. Okay, all right. I take it as a challenge. The next thing I'm going to do is I'm going to jump off the cliff or something. You do something crazy. She, she actually has many stories about that, so you can ask her after service. But, but since birth, there's a part of us that have wanted to do our own thing. And it didn't work out well. And it doesn't work out well now. If you go all the way back in the Bible, sometimes we think the Bible is the story of human characters, but it's really the story of God and those human characters continually having struggles and failing in different ways. But then God continually is faithful to us. So what happens when we encounter difficulty? I don't know of anyone, and maybe one of you is this way, but I don't know of anyone that is like, man, 2020 has been the best year ever. A little giggles, 2020 is the best year. Oh, I love it. I love 2020. Yeah, let's have a 2020 party. No, (laughs) that's not been the case. And so when we encounter difficulty, God is asking us to be obedient. So if we are honest with ourselves, we've had some difficulty this year. And today we're going to see simple obedience is the best way, obedience to God's will. We're going to meet the Israelites when they, you know, a few weeks ago, what passage were we in? What did we talk about? The Jordan River. And they crossed the Jordan River, and now they're in the promised land. And as they're in the promised land, they encounter their first obstacle, and that is Jericho. And we're going to start right there, Joshua chapter 6. You can read along with me. It'll be on the screen. Joshua chapter 6, I'm going to read the first seven verses here. And you're going to see how God is continuing to ask them to do some pretty crazy things. And in the middle of difficulty, being obedient is, is people are going to think you're crazy. Joshua chapter 6, it says, Now Jericho was shut up inside and outside because of the people of Israel. No one went out and none came in. And the Lord said to Joshua, I've given Jericho into your hand with its king and mighty men of valor. You shall march around the city, all the men of war going around the city once. You shall do it for six days. Seven priests shall bear the seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. On the seventh day, we shall march around the city seven times, and the priests shall blow the trumpets. And when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, we will hear the sound of the trumpet, and then all the people shall shout with a great shout. Can you guys shout with a great shout? Just let's try this. I'm going to have you do it later. So So shout with a great shout as loud as you can. Oh, okay. That was like a, a Browns game. Just kidding. Okay, all right. I use the Browns as my copy guide. So one, two, three. All right. So that's what we did when I was a kid. We did the great shout. So they shout with a great shout, and he's describing this here. And it's just shout with a great shout, and the wall of the city will go down flat. Should I have a kid up here with a cardboard castle, and it just falls over, right? So that's what's going to happen. The wall and the city will go flat, and the people shall go up, everyone straight before him. So Joshua, the son of Nun, called the priests and said to them, Take up the Ark of the Covenant and let the seven priests bear the seven trumpets of ram's horns before the Ark of the Lord. And he said to the people, Go forward, march around the city, and let the armed men pass on before the Ark of the Lord." 
God's given some instructions, and now it's our response to be obedient to those instructions. And so the last passage we covered has a lot of similarities with us. The last passage in Joshua, which was three weeks ago, they cross the Jordan River in chapter 3. There's a lot of similarities. Here's the similarities. In both passages, the priests and the ark are prominent. They go in the front. They're the first ones marching ahead. The Israelites are armed in both passages. They have swords and shields, and, and they're ready. And then there's a pronouncement of victory at the end that only comes from God. It's like, you didn't do this. Like, no one stopped the Jordan River. It was God that did it. No one had the walls of Jericho fall down, but God did it. And then both crossing and walking around Jericho, there's some similarities. They had similar acts and effects. God asked them to walk in faith. If you remember, I talked about the first step a few weeks ago in the Jordan. So they took the first step into the Jordan. So they had to walk in faith. And then he commands them, and they execute the plan. It's not very militaristic. I mean, it comes across that way maybe, but it's really just them being obedient. So God and Israel are unified in their mission in both passages, so God defends them. And right now, we're in a world that is really, really disunified. And I'll get to that towards the end of the sermon, but it's just, there's so much anger and frustration at people that maybe even a week ago, you were like, this is someone I'm close to, and now I'm not because they said this or they did that. So with these similarities, we can see in this passage, God asks for obedience that comes from faith. Obedience doesn't come out of nowhere. It has to come from faith. You have to start with faith. As a child growing up, you have to have faith that your parent wants what's best for you. Otherwise, what's the point? What is the point? Because you're going to argue with your parent. So the people right now are meeting their first enemy in the land of promise, And much like he did with the Jordan, he gives some instructions. But all they see is Jericho. Imagine walking up and you see these big walls towering in front of you. And you say, that's where we're supposed to go. But yet, we can't get there. We can't get there. A city that was blockaded, it was immense, and it was a formidable enemy. Notice that the warriors and the king are mentioned but it's not like, they're like an, kind of an afterthought. It's like, well, there's warriors and king, but who cares? You're going to worry about the wall because we're going to get the wall down. If God's promises are to be fulfilled, the gates of Jericho need to be open. And you may ask why I'm going to go this direction, but Israel really wasn't ready. They weren't ready at the Jordan. They weren't ready now. They didn't really know what to do. I mean, do you really think everyone in Israel is like, man, I'm going to go march around. Let's go march Let's go march six times, and on the seventh day, God is going to show up. There's some fear that's gripping their hearts at this point, even though God had done many miraculous things, and God does many miraculous things in our hearts, and we still have fear. They remember the faithful commands of God, his victory over the waters that could have washed them away in the Jordan, but the obstacle now is Jericho. It's not the Jordan, so Jordan's in the back. You ever have something God does and then you forget about it later? And then someone reminds you and you're like, oh, wow, yeah, that was amazing. So they're sitting here and they need to be obedient. Obedient so they can overcome obstacles to the promises that God has for them. So fear grips our culture. So how do we overcome obstacles to our faith? You know where fear starts in the brain? I learned this in school years ago. But fear starts in the brain in the amygdala. You know, there's a part of your brain, the amygdala, and it's in your brain, and 
when you feel fear, you have a fight or flight response. Have you noticed a lot of people have that response to everything right now? There's a lot of tension. There's a lot of things that we're saying to others that is very unkind. And so this fight or flight response that we have, but I think God gives a third response. Because maybe we move away from what we think we should be doing, the fight or flight. Obedience to his his path, his plan, and his will is different. It, despite the increasing tug to run or the increasing tug to fight, we can sit here and say, I'm going to be obedient to what God has called me to and follow his commands for the rest of my days. And it doesn't matter if there's a coronavirus. It doesn't matter if if we're uh, invaded by another country. It doesn't matter what happens. I'm going to be obedient because we're in a constant state of disruption. Just recently, we were talking about the base of knowledge of the entire world doubles every two years. And they're saying this year it's going to be in one year, we're going to have double the knowledge that we had last year. Like, or for all of eternity, like, like back. All of the knowledge of the entire world doubles in one year. We can never, never know all of that. All that information. And we're in a state of disruption much like the nation of Israel was. Imagine being 40 years in the desert, then you get into the land, and you get into the land, and you encounter this first great wall, and you're like, there's another wall? There's another victory we need? Are you kidding me? I'm so done. You, You want us to march around six times, and that's great, but the seventh time you're all of a sudden going to do something? Why? We're in uncharted territory like Israel. They didn't know what they were going to encounter. We have a lot in our world to cause fear like Israel. We're forgetful like Israel. Anyone forget what they had for breakfast? (laughs) I didn't. My wife made bacon and eggs. It was amazing. We forget about God's works. I'm going to say this, and this is why I said today is going to be uncomfortable. We're uncomfortable in America for once. Imagine that. We're uncomfortable. In my lifetime, I, I don't know how like there's been a more uncomfortable situation. It's not fun. And Israel was this way for 40 years. So I'm going to tell you this, and this is not what we want to hear. It's we are going to be more uncomfortable before God gives you more promises and fulfills more promises in your life. There's going to be times where you're uncomfortable. So on the other hand, one thing that is very true, despite us being uncomfortable at times, God, on the other hand, is not changed. And he didn't change in Israel at that moment. He still calls for us, despite anything happening in the world, despite politics, despite COVID-19, despite executive orders, despite disunifying people, he calls us to be obedient. The church is a unifying force. It's not spreading people out, unifying around the good news of Jesus Christ. I can't tell you enough how much it pains me to see pastors like myself say things that are just creating more problems right now. We're not just driven by morals as the church, but worship of a holy God, which is why God asks for us to replace fear with worship. We are replacing fear with worship. How do we do that? That makes no sense. I don't understand what you're saying. Go to the end of chapter 5. If you have your Bible with you or you have it on your phone, the end of Joshua chapter 5 God interacts with Joshua, and that leads into what we're reading today. 
And Joshua falls to worship God. He falls down to worship God. The commander of the Lord's army, it says, says to him, Take off your sandals. Take off your sandals from your feet. For the place where you're standing is holy. Joshua, get rid of your fear. I am with you. That's what we need to hear. Get rid of your fear. I am with you. Worship me because I am God. On some level, fear creates barriers to what we know to be true about God. When we're so focused on fight or flight, we forget what we know to be true. Why do you think you hear on the news about someone that that you see as a, a moral figure or a Christian figure fall? Because there was that moment that they weren't focused on what they needed to focus on. They moved away from what they discovered about God to whatever they, they thought they wanted to do, and they weren't obedient, or they, weren't, uh, they, they had fear in their heart. It's his mercy, his grace, his love, his promises. And the Israelites are asked to blow trumpets. Do you think blowing trumpets, I mean, honestly, blowing trumpets to me is like, I mean, if you like trumpets, that's great, but I just, ugh, it hurts my ears, ooh. So, but they're blowing trumpets for worship, and then they're shouting. They get to shout. They're shouting as loud as they can. They're blowing trumpets as loud as they can. God is using worship as warfare against the fear they had. Just trust me. Shout as loud as you can. Can you shout without being passionate about it? That was like the first yell you guys did earlier. You know, it sounded like a dying cat. I mean, like, but, but when you actually get passionate and you actually start shouting, it takes all your being to do that. And that's what he's asking for. We need to replace our negative thoughts, the doubts, the emotional strain in our life with worshiping God, proclaiming who he is, telling others about who he is and what he's promised to those who love him. So what, what did you think was going to happen at this point? God asked for them to march for seven days and on the seventh day blow trumpets and shout. Seven days is connected to the Feast of Unleavened Bread. If you look at the last chapter, chapter 5, they have a Passover celebration, and they're eating Passover for Passover, and this is tied to that. This is a new exodus into the land of promise. And I can tell you right now, I feel like in a lot of ways, there's a lot of things that tear us down as individuals and as people and as a community that we just don't need right now. And if we're focused on worshiping God, I don't, I don't think we're going to have the same problems. And I'm not saying, like, worshiping God eliminates sickness. I'm saying worshiping God allows us to focus on what's most important. All the activity starts and ends with blowing trumpets. Today, we start by worshiping through songs. We end with a song. God says the response here to this act of obedience is replacing the fear that they have. And we all have fear. And if you notice, I mean, does anyone know what the end of the story is? Come on. You heard it in, when you were a little kid, if you were, grew up in the church. You know the end of the story. The wall falls down. They take Jericho. God breaks through barriers, once unpenetrable, once shut up, and now open. Joshua shows up. The people are obedient immediately. There's no time to wait. So I'm going to ask you to do something here. This is what I was going to ask you earlier. I want you to shout as loud as you physically can. And if you can stand up, stand up. That would be great. I know. You never stand up. Stand up if you can. Uh, Jake, I know you can stand. So get up. Come on, Jake. 
Okay, stand up, and on the count of three, shout as loud as you physically can, okay? I want to see some strained voices afterwards. When I go talk to people outside, you lose your voice or something. So, so here's, on the count of three, shout as loud as you possibly can. Don't shout anything weird, just shout, okay? Like, I don't want to hear any like, Adrian! You know, none of, none of that rocky stuff, okay? All right. So, on the count of three, one, two, three. Okay, are you ready to hear what I'm going to ask you now? We're only, we're only halfway through the sermon, so yes, okay. So these are some questions you need to answer because if we're going to do this, if we're going to be obedient to God's calling on our life in a world of fear, we need to think of these things. Who are you going to pray for? There's got to be one person you pray for, and it can be in your family, it can be anybody. Who are you going to pray for? Who do you need to encourage today? I already thought of about four or five people that need some encouragement. Okay, now you can sit down because you're going to have to sit down for this one. This one's going to be the shocker. This is the hard question. I want you to think about this today. What fear are you running from? Are you fighting that you need to turn into worship? What are you running from or fighting that you need to turn into worship? If I can be vulnerable for a minute, I've had moments that are so strong where fear has gripped me, where I felt paralyzed as strongly as a panic attack, frozen in a moment without a way out and not knowing what to do next. But in the moment, I've come to realize something, that my fears are literally because I'm relying on myself. Because there isn't a way out if I try to do it. There isn't a way out. There was no way they were getting inside Jericho. There was nothing. There's no way. But I was relying on myself rather than an eternal God, a God that is infinite, a God with infinite power that created us. And the only response to those moments is worshiping. So whatever you're fighting and whatever you're running from and you're afraid of, the only response is to worship God that he can overcome that fear in your life and nothing else can. And so... I realized that and I said, I need to cry out to God in that moment for physical relief from that panic I had and for fear to be out of my life, to have a greater perspective than I saw in that moment. If you've ever had a bad day, you walk into a setting where you're in a meeting and the next thing you know in that meeting, you realize you're the Debbie Downer of the group. You ever heard that term? Sorry if your name's Debbie. I don't mean it bad. That's just a, you know, terminology, but... So you're like the person that comes in and says, that's not going to work. Why not? Because it's a terrible idea. It's like being the Eeyore. That's a better example. See Eeyore and Winnie the Pooh? Eeyore's like, oh, nothing's going to work, rabbit. Everything is boring. And so you can be like that all day long if you don't have the right perspective. How are your, is your perspective going to change? Worship leads to mighty acts of God. And you may wonder, why am I going to go through verse 15? Because we need to see what happens when you're obedient. And we need to see what we need to do as we're obedient. So read with me, starting in verse 8. Don't read it out loud. I know like I gave you guys shouting today, so there's a lot of uh, excitement. And some people were shouting out of turn. I don't know about that. Uh... Starting in verse 8, it says, And just as Joshua had commanded the people, the seven priests 
bearing the seven trumpets of ram's horns before the Lord, went forward, blowing the trumpets with the ark of the covenant of the Lord following them. The armed men were walking before the priests who were blowing the trumpets, and the rear guard was walking after the ark, while the trumpets blew continually. But Joshua commanded the people, You shall not shout or make your voice heard, neither shall any word go out of your mouth until the day I tell you to shout, then you shall shout. Okay, I just need to address this. Six days of not talking. Anyone think none of us could last? I mean, come on. Who's the biggest introvert? You think you could last six days without talking? Anybody? Well, now we have text messaging, so that's like cheating, right? So, but I mean, like, no communication for six days. Imagine that. That's what he's asking him. That's pretty obedient. I'm sorry. That is, like, well beyond, oh, I can't even imagine. So it says in verse, verse 11, it says, So he caused the ark, of the, the ark of the Lord to circle the city, going around it once. And they came into the camp and spent the night in the camp. Then Joshua rose early in the morning, and the priests took up the ark of the Lord. And the seven priests, bearing the seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark of the Lord, walked on. They blew the trumpets continually. And the armed men walking before them and the rear guard was walking before the ark of the Lord while the trumpets blew continually. And on the second day, they marched around the city once and returned to the camp. So they did it for six days. And on the seventh day, they rose early at the dawn of the day, marched around the city in the same manner seven times. It was only on that day that they marched around the city seven times. And you may wonder why I'm stopping there. Because isn't the Bible about God? It's not about the people. I mean, they get, they, they get Jericho. The walls fall down. The people shout which you already got to shout today, which is kind of fun. You can tell everybody you shouted in church at the pastor, so that's, that's a good lunch conversation. Joshua here just relays the message of God to the people. So for six days, they did the same thing. We're going to march once, and the people are completely silent. I don't know how that all works with making food and like taking care of your kids and like all this craziness, but that's what they did, it says. They march around the city, blowing trumpets. Armed men were marching with them. And then it gets to the seventh day. God asks us to stay the course. Right now, I think a lot of us, the word I would use actually is not fear to describe most people. The, year, the, the word I would use is fatigue. We're tired of being told what to do. We're tired of, of, of having... Uh, People say one thing and another and arguing with them. It's like it's just, you have no emotional like, ability to, to overcome that. And you're just fatigued. But yet the people here are kind of walking aimlessly. I mean, if Bill Church here told me to come and walk around the church six times and on the seventh day God was going to give us a bigger building, I thought he'd be crazy. You know, like, what, But I, I wouldn't even do the six days. But they do it. And they're obedient, but they felt like they were walking aimlessly. Have you ever felt that way? Perhaps you were in a new territory, a new place, and didn't know where you needed to go. I remember when I was 19, I got lost in the New York City subway. And I don't know how many levels down I was, but I get off the subway, and I'm like, I'm not where I'm supposed to be. And it was like, there was tons of graffiti, and there was no one down there, and I was far enough down that I don't know, I didn't see any stairs going up. It was like a... a you know, one of those transfer stations or something. And I'm like, ah, what am I going to do? And you can imagine the people of Israel, they're in new land. They're like, ah, I don't know what to do. Even when we are in fear of the unknown, God tells us to stay the course. We've been marching around an issue 
that is affecting everyone on this entire planet. We've been marching around something that affects every aspect of our lives and keeps changing. We've been filled with fear or even conspiracies that lead to more fear or anger. How many times, and and you guys may think I'm a little crazy for saying this, how many times are we going to march around the walls of what COVID is and how it affects us without just being like, I'm going to give it up to God. I'm going to let him take control of my life. How much longer will we be living without the illusion of control over this virus? And I have a great answer to the question. You're like, wait, I've been waiting for this. I thought CNN was going to tell me. I don't know. I don't know. Can we deal with that answer? I don't know. I don't know how long. I don't know. But I do know that God is calling us to march and march and march and march and continue to be obedient. I do know that. And that's what I can cling to because I know that is what staying the course is, staying the course of his will. On the seventh day when the walls fell, what do you think the people of Israel felt? They shouted as loud as they could. What did that make you feel earlier? And then the walls fall and they just go, he did it. He did it. It's gone. And I have a feeling that's just like what's going to happen in our world. It was a release of the fear, release of the anxiety they felt. But the only solution was found in the promise of God. His promise was fulfilled. We know this from the New Testament through Jesus Christ, who died for our sins so that we can live with the Holy Spirit for all eternity. What, 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 leads, what leads us at this point, what leads us, this leads us to, is what does this mean to live the obedient life? What does it mean? The one that worships God and the life that stays the course. Instead of living in fear, I want some of that. Whatever that is, you, you ever go to a family gathering and there's always a relative that brings the special dish that you want to get some of before it's all gone? Come on. Anyone have one of those dishes? Can you yell it out? What's, what's a good dish? Come on. No one likes pumpkin pie. Is pumpkin pie one? I don't know. There's, there's all kinds of stuff. My wife's aunt has this like jello cake thing that she makes and it's all jello. It's like layered. And that thing is gone in the first 15 minutes. Like, it's just gone. Like, we have to get to it first. You have to eat dessert first when she brings it, okay? Which I know parents are like, don't tell my kids that. But that's just what it is. That's what we want. It's the thing that it should be most desirable. I want some of that. What is that? The obedient life. Turn with me to Galatians chapter 5. And it's going to be up here. Galatians chapter 5. If you're familiar with Galatians chapter 5, it's got the fruit of the Spirit in it. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentle, uh, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against things there is no law. And those who belong to Jesus Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. So one area that I think is most needed right now And when I look at the people of Israel, and I look at them marching around Jericho, they were being obedient to what God had called them to be, and they weren't doing anything else. They are actually staying silent. When, I bet you a lot of them want to whisper, 
Joshua's gone nuts. We're not supposed to invade them. We're supposed to march around. They think he's crazy, but they're not. They're stopping. So one area that I think is most needed now is how we talk about the facts. The facts. I'm using quotation mark, the facts. What are the facts? Because of social media and not going to the source many times, we share biased or incorrect information, creating a strongly held opinion without even dusting off our Bible and opening it. You ever notice that? What gets you the most fired up? Oh, when I was in college, and when I, I, when I went to seminary, I got to teach some college students in a class, and they would quote Wikipedia. Oh, that was an F. Oh, don't dare quote Wikipedia. You know, that was like a big thing. Now it's really probably doesn't even matter, and people quote it all the time. But we du- don't dust off our Bible and open it. And what I'm getting at is, and you didn't come to church to hear this, I'm sure, today, but I'm going to apply the fruit of the Spirit to an argument that we are commonly having right now. To mask or not to mask? That is the question. I want to quote Shakespeare. If I mask, I'm one of the sheep. How dare you tell me what to do? If I mask, I might just be living in fear. If I don't mask, there's a conspiracy and everyone is a insert political party. You can pick one. Let's apply the fruit of the Spirit to this argument because I think that is really what we need in this time. Love is thinking about yourself less and thinking of others more. Your rights less and others more. So if someone asks you or wants you to wear a mask, why not? If you're going to love others, so the fruit of the Spirit, let's start with the first one, love. If we're going to love others, better to see others in person than not. Can we agree? That's why you're here today, right? (laughs) Watching a video screen is hard to connect. So, what does the other person feel comfortable with? What does maybe, maybe their spouse or maybe their relatives feel comfortable with? That's love. Joy. Again, why, if we want to see other people, why not ask how that can happen? So if someone says, hey, I really don't want to meet in public. We can meet at my house, but I'd like to stay on my porch and I'd like to wear a mask. And it's your good friend. Are you going to wear a mask? Like, why not? You can have joy. It's great. Why wouldn't your joy be complete? Peace. Honestly, this is the one that I think is the struggle right now. With all the hostility and the fear regarding wearing one or not, it's just like, like, can't we just be more peaceful with people? I mean, when did we get to the point where we can just agree to disagree or just be kind? Kindness. Wow. The fruit of the Spirit just like knocking it out of the park with this, this debate here. Just kind to ask others what they feel comfortable with. I don't think I need to, you know, say that again. Goodness. Being good to others is doing anything in your power to alleviate anxiety and fear in someone else. And what I've noticed is fear goes away after a period of time about, with human contact from other people. When they start, we start assessing your, your experience. Faithfulness to God and to loving others would include caring for them. When there's an absence of information, which I think there is in a lot of this, There's a lot of things that we don't know still. Absence of information, be the most considerate you can be. 
You know what my wife tells me? I'm terrible at this because I'm just like, I'm like a bull in a china shop. I'm going to go in and I'm going to do my own thing and I'm going I'm to get to the bottom of whatever the person's problem is and I'm going to fix it. And if we're honest, most of us try to do that. Gentleness. This is an easy one. It should be easy. No online or personal debates about masks. Only caring if the other person wants to physically distance or wear one. If they want to, let them. You know, I, I was in the store just yesterday. And you know, that there's all these places requiring it and everything. And I, I was in Meyer, and there was someone not wearing a mask. And I was in the same aisle, and I saw four people come up to them and say very offensive things. And it made me really sad. It made me really sad. I'm sure it goes the other way too, but honestly, if they're requiring it, there's going to be more people wearing them. It made me so sad because I thought, do those four people, are those followers of Christ or not? And I actually had to ask that question because of what I've seen. And so if we're going to live and we're going to stay the course, like, like the people, the Israelites did, it's going to end right here with self-control. Lashing out at different opinions does not help anything. In fact, what does the Bible say? You cannot control your tongue. For every meme of why you should wear a mask, there's another meme about why you shouldn't wear a mask. And there's some that have like peeing and stuff. You guys have seen them. They're just crazy. Be self-controlled and considerate. It's as simple as that. Be self-controlled and considerate. I remember when this all started and no one knew anything and we're all kind of locked up. I shouldn't say locked up. That sounds terrible. It sounds like prison. That's why I don't like all the terminology. But it's like, no, we don't know what's going to happen. So we're all kind of living in fear. And then we come out and we're like, well, it's not as bad as we thought it was and everything. There are still people that need Jesus. And if we are not considerate of where they're at, they will never meet Jesus. And yet it's because we don't want to do something. How selfish is that? Like, if I'm not going to get an opportunity to talk to someone, or I'm not going to go somewhere, we all have a choice, by the way. And I think, honestly, it's more about being vocal and being mean to the other person. Again, fruit of the Spirit. Apply the fruit of the Spirit. I'm not saying one way or another. I'm not saying we should or we shouldn't, okay? Some people are, you're going to leave here, and some of you are going to say, the pastor told us we need to wear masks. And the other half is going to say, the pastor told us we're not, we shouldn't wear masks. I'm like, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying, think of the fruit of the Spirit when you are talking to other people right now. That's all I'm saying. We need to be in the Word of God to determine our response to others. We can't just look at what we see on a TV screen or look at what people are saying or how people respond to us. I almost wanted to post something this morning and see what people's response was on Facebook and just say, post about masks, offensive, period. And it doesn't even matter. Like, just people would be like, oh, funny, you know, like, because it is. It's out there. The word of God needs to determine our response to a vastly changing world. And much like the Israelites, when they marched up to Jericho and they're not knowing what's going to happen and then they, they, the walls fall down. Let our walls fall down to care and concern and, and consideration of others. The Israelites just left hundreds of years of slavery and they were afraid. So let me say this. We've had four months of COVID and we're in fear. 400 years of slavery and they don't know anything else we know something else and that's why we want what we used to have right 
but it's been taken from us. And this is the greatest time to share with someone else what Jesus has for us for all eternity. This life was a gift in the first place. The God I serve is greater than that. He's greater than the creation and what's happening because he created it. He created the universe. And that's why we're meant to live with a simple obedience. It doesn't mean don't speak up. It doesn't mean don't talk to your friends about what you feel or your opinion. It means be careful and care for the other person first. You know, I quoted my mother-in-law a couple times. I want to quote her. Um, She's going to be embarrassed when she sees this. She was a, a surgical nurse for 30 years. And I wondered, like, she's not very, uh, how, do I, how do I put this? She's, she's still got a lot of questions about what's going on. I'll put it that way. And she said, and I asked her, I said, what, what do you think about masks? Because she lives in Illinois, and they're, like, requiring them everywhere. And, and she said, I had to wear one for 30 years, and it wasn't a problem then, so I don't know why I would not wear one now. Like, what's the big deal? And that may show you opinion, but I'm just saying, like, if we're to be Christ-like and someone else is saying, you know, do this, they're not taking our homes, they, whoever they is. They're not taking our opportunity to worship right now, right? We're worshiping here this morning. We're worshiping online. And yet, no matter what happens in this world, the church of Jesus Christ will still be here. And I want to be a part of that. I want to be a part of that mission, that plan, as we are marching into the land of promise and we're waiting. And like last time, it's like, do we want to take the first step? The first step is just caring for your fellow man and being kind. Just be kind. So what? So, so God asks for obedience that comes from faith. He asks. We do have a free will. And you can make a choice today to walk out the door and say, this is my first time here and I'm never coming back because that pastor's crazy. Or you can say, I've been here before and I didn't like this sermon. You can make a choice. But God asks us for obedience that comes from faith. He asks us to replace our fear with worship. Maybe some of us need to go home and just get on our knees and just pray and just ask God to alleviate the fear and the worries in our heart so that we can just go about our day. You know, I can bet that there was a lot of talking to God during those six days. The Israelites, they were silent to each other, but I am sure, I am sure they were praying. God, do this because I don't know what else we're going to do. What if they come out of there? They have warriors. We're not a fighting people. Yeah, we're armed, but we, we don't know what we're doing. And in that moment, God asked them to stay the course. Nothing has changed regarding God right now. Nothing has changed regarding when we come up to worship. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have Jake come up, and we're going to go into a new song. And this song is about the grace of God that's been there since before all this happened, will be there for all eternity. And yet we tend to do this and get focused. I talked about blinders a few weeks ago. We get focused, but in that case, I was talking about focusing on the Word of God. And right now, we can be incredibly focused on things. But yet, God asks us to stay the course, be faithful, 
know that he is going to follow through. Simple obedience is not so simple, is it? Simple obedience says, I want to live the fruit of the Spirit in every interaction in my life. And if we're honest with ourselves, even this morning, I've failed at that. But it doesn't mean that we don't stay the course and focus on what the goal is. God's goal for the Israelite people was that they would take over the land of promise, that they would conquer Jericho, and he did it in a way that was completely miraculous. And so we have an opportunity to do some miraculous things in our world right now by how we respond and how we treat each other. And that, that is what staying the course means. Forget anything else you hear, you gotta go back to this. Dust off the Bible and go, this is what I'm gonna read today. This is what I'm gonna go to. When I'm feeling anxious, I'm going right here. If I'm feeling fear, I'm going right here. If I am having everyone say exactly what I don't want to hear, I'm going here. What's triggering me? What's, what, what's causing this emotional response? And that is what simple obedience is. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you. We ask that much like the people of Israel, it seems like we're marching around Jericho six times. We're marching around this year, 2020. And we keep marching, and we're marching and marching, marching. And we're waiting for that seventh day where you're going to proclaim the victory. And God, we need to see what's coming. But God, we know you're not going to show it to us yet. And so God, as, as we get feelings of anxiety, of fear, allow us to get past that, see past that. See the greater plan for what you're going to do in the world for how you are gonna change our community, for what you're gonna do through us. So help our attitudes to be embodied by, by the fruit of the Spirit. Help us to be a people of peace, a people of love, a people of gentleness. God, give us self-control, give us goodness, kindness, give us joy in midst of trials. We say all this in Jesus' name.